This episode is brought to you in part by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. The strongest MDiv just got stronger. Southern Seminary's new MDiv is now simplified, personalized, and incentivized. It's simplified by providing students a foundational core of 21 credit hours in each of these three academic disciplines, biblical studies, theological studies, and practical studies. It's personalized through 21 credit hours of electives that students customize around their unique ministry calling to earn graduate certificates. Those certificates indicate specialized training in key areas of ministry. It's incentivized by saving residential MDiv students $1,800 in tuition each semester. The benefits of all MDiv students are greater personalization, increased specialization, and the opportunity to earn more credentials in an efficient amount of time. Discover how you can benefit from an NDiv that is simplified, personalized, and incentivized at sbts.edu forward slash new MDiv. Once again, that's sbts.edu forward slash new MDiv. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 15, 14, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lincoln Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's a delight to have you as part of our audience. I want to say a special thank you to all those who participated in our One Person a Week campaign and all of you who generously support the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Uh, we had a, a just a great fundraising year at the end of the year, and we had a donor come in the last minute and ask what our shortfall was for 2023 and uh, just generously wrote a check to cover what we had not been able to raise to that point. So the Lord has really provided through your generosity. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today's interview is one that I did with uh, Dr. Dave Duell. Dave is a member of the BCC Council. He's been on our podcast before, and I just love him very much, and I love his heart for people. And we were talking about he and his wife's new book, Help Our Child Has Down Syndrome. And you will hear Dave's heart for people with disabilities in general, but also for people who are raising children who have Down syndrome and some of the challenges. But I also really appreciate Dave's just heart to share the blessings that come uh, with having somebody in your family who has Down syndrome. And Dave is coming not just from an intellectual standpoint or somebody who's researched this, but somebody who's lived this. Uh, He really started decades ago when he and his wife uh, gave birth to one of their children who had Down syndrome and immediately began to seek out and offer care for families and couples who are in that situation. And so this this very short book is steeped in experience and love and theology and Bible. So I highly recommend you check it out uh, if you're in that situation. And if not, have a few on hand in case somebody who comes into your circle of life that uh, has a child with Down syndrome. So I hope you are blessed by this episode. And thanks again for being a listener and a supporter. Dave Duell, thanks so much for coming back to 1514. Uh, For those who maybe haven't heard your previous interviews, could you introduce yourself to our audience? Certainly. Thank you, Curtis. So uh, my name is Dave Duell. As Curtis said, uh, my wife's name is Nancy. You'll hear about her in the interview. Uh, And I may mention uh, one or all of my four kids 
Uh, we live in upstate New York in snow country, and I serve as senior research fellow for Johnny and Friends. So I basically do studies uh, in the Bible uh, that pertain to disabilities uh, and do research in Old Testament studies. I also do a pastoral interim role in upstate New York, where we have a lot of small churches, many of which do not have pastors at this time. So I'm kept very busy. Yeah, and we've we've been delighted to have you as a part of the BCC Council uh, to kind of be in a very particular role of helping us remind, remember and think about people with disabilities and how the church can love them well and how biblical counseling can really uh, come alongside. And we're going to talk a, about a, a very particular aspect of that because you just came out with a new resource uh, called Help Our Child Has Down Syndrome. Uh, tell us what led you and your wife to write this book. Yes, thank you, Curtis. When our daughter Joanna, who has a diagnosis of Down syndrome, was born 35 years ago, another Christian couple also gave birth to a girl with Down syndrome a few days later. Same hospital, same doctor. Mm. We checked out of the hospital to go home. The doctor suggested, hey, why don't you contact this other couple and encourage one another? Within hours, we called them and discover that they were both that we were both Christian families actively involved in our churches. Amazingly, in that same conversation, we laid the plans to start a parent ministry group, highly prioritizing evangelism and growth. Grace mm. Community Church of Sun Valley, California, would host the ministry. Pastor John MacArthur encouraged us, for he has embraced disability ministry long before it caught on. What is more, our doctor in the hospital offered to give our names and contact information to all new par parents of infants with Down syndrome. Mm. It was an incredible opportunity, and it happened overnight. Many people don't know this, but Johnny and Friends started out as a disability ministry of Grace Community Church, where John still ministers. So at the same time Joanna was born, I started volunteering for Johnny and Friends, focusing on helping local Los Angeles families start their own parent ministry groups. Wow. One thing led to another, as it often does. For example, at Grace Community Church's Shepherds Conference, I did workshops each year focusing on starting parent group ministries. The focus of parent groups was basically, is very simple, for veteran Christian parents to informally counsel new parents. At that time, Nancy and I began counseling couples who lived far away on the phone Within months, we were busy with informal counseling ministry opportunities. It was a thrilling time. 35 years later, we still do this ministry together. So to answer your question, Curtis, our new book explains the basic contents of what we have used in parent group ministry for about 35 years. It is designed to fit into a suit pocket or a purse for those doing visitation counseling for couples or singles with a child with Down syndrome. I should add, to avoid confusion, that we have written another mini-book titled Help My Child Has a Disability, which addresses all disabilities in generally. This new book focuses on the experience of parenting a child with Down syndrome, specifically. The two books are designed uh, to complement one another. These are out-of-the-box ministry tools designed to facilitate counseling parents. Parents can read them in an hour or less. Pastors, counselors, and anyone concerned can just hand the book to parents. Well, that's super helpful. It's great to know that the the book has been steeped in so much 
uh, knowledge and history and experience because you guys were living it in your home, but also, like you said, 35 years of being able to do this with other people. Because uh, I, I imagine for new new parents who are just finding out and with technology today, obviously parents a lot of times know before the child is born yeah. uh, that it's going to have, the child's going to have Down syndrome, but that doesn't fully equip you you know, in that 10 month window, or, uh, which is actually less once they figure out by the time they find this out to know everything to do. Um, and I think what you're saying there, just even the need for community is such a huge, huge part of, yes. of that. So, um, <clears throat> so what do you say to an individual or family when a child with Down syndrome enters into their world? Well, the first thing I tell, tell them is that they're richly blessed. Mm. And I mean it. <laughs> then I convey that I have a daughter with Down syndrome along with three other children. Usually I also s- tell them that if I can parent a child with Down syndrome, so can they. I also tell them that it is estimated that there is roughly a one in a hundred chance of having a second child with Down syndrome. I then tell them that we chose to have two more children after Joanna. This decision speaks for itself. Mm. I always love their responses. You can hear a sigh of relief and see visibly a calming effect. But the second thing I do is listen and listen more. I don't try to stop them and offer counsel. There will be a time for that. Eventually their questions follow the path of several major issues. These make up the four chapters of the book. First chapter is called uh, Unfold Your Story in God's Theater basically making parents aware that everyone's watching them. A uh, little pressure there, but uh, most parents go, grow comfortable with that. And uh, in time, they realize it's a unique stewardship they have as being parents of a child with a disability, Down syndrome in particular. second chapter of the book uh, is titled Engage Disability as a Spiritual Matter. You know, there are a lot of medical and disability service is- issues all along the way in raising a child with the uh, Down syndrome, but parents, I tell them at least, parents should strive to stay focused on the spiritual issues, for that will give them a framework and an alignment to deal with all other issues. Mm. The third chapter uh, is called, Help Your Child Grow Spiritually. And for some people, this comes as a shock that people with Down syndrome can grow spiritually, but they can. Just remember, People with Down syndrome love what is concrete and visual. They have a hard time making sense of what is abstract and not visible. Of course, so do many other people without Down syndrome. Uh, Against my inclinations, I put a picture of Jesus with little children on her wall. I always said I wouldn't have pictures of Jesus because I was just taught that that we shouldn't have pictorial representations. And I've I've overcome that, actually. (laughs) But uh, Joanna is the one that helped me really overcome it because it means so much to her mm. to see a picture of Jesus with little children on his lap. And, of course, it's just a it's a bit of a fabric, fabrication, but it gets her thinking because it's visual. Mm. She loves it, looks at it, and we talk about it often. After all, she can see it. Similarly, we should model our faith to our children with Down syndrome by praying out loud with a child at meals, uh, when you talk them in at night at any time, for that matter. They, they hear it, and they see you praying, and they realize, hey, dad is actually talking, or mom is actually talking to Jesus. Make sure that uh, that 
your child participates in church activities, uh, if you have a child with Down syndrome, and make sure that they're warmly relational and they can understand. Mm -hmm. And again, keep it visual. And then tell parents that if their church doesn't have such a disability ministry, don't leave. Start one. Hmm. Most disability ministries and churches were started by parents of children with disabilities. There's a, a long tradition of that that's decades long, and so I encourage parents to stay. Even if no, their church has nothing to offer, they should uh, be the ones to dig in the heels and start a small ministry. And in the final chapter, design a good life for your child. We focus on creating a safe and wholesome space for our children. I also tell parents that they will be helping other families by doing this in the future. It's important that couples get their minds off themselves. So finally, I encourage them to start a small parent group, just several families, uh, or as Brad Hambrick calls them in his new book, he calls them a counseling group, which I really like. Counseling one another. It's practicing the one another's in the midst of uh, the day-to-day -day activities that go with taking care of a, of a full family, but a child with Down syndrome as well. Um, I wrote a, a section in Beyond Suffering Curriculum that's distributed by Johnny and Friends titled Inreach and Outreach in Disability Family Ministry Groups. So you can hear a little bit of our passion. So for the last 35 years, I've had the privilege of using these materials, and my wife has as well, to start parent group ministries through local churches in the United States and, and in over 30 countries now, and it's been a blessing. Oh, that's really great. That's, what, that's such a huge encouragement. And the challenge to the parents um, to start that, I think probably most of them and most of us would, looking at watching them, as you said, would say, you've got enough on your plate. You don't need to worry about that. Um, yeah. but that, that extra encouragement that they serve and if they start something, it's actually going to benefit and bless them as well as their children, as well as lots of other people. So I really appreciate that. And for all of us to remember people with, uh, disabilities of all kinds. And I think for some of us, maybe when we think of cognitive impairments, it, that question of, can somebody really know God? Can mm -hmm. somebody really have faith? comes up and it's such a an important reminder to all of us that every human being is created in the image of god and has the capacity uh, to be redeemed so yes. yeah thank you for for that reminder when you're doing this the counseling with the families what are some of the common questions that family members of people with down syndrome ask you well it's it may come as a shock to some but just a handful ask why me you know why did this happen to me why did I have a child with Down syndrome? Um, not many people say that. Um, my church history professor in seminary had a son with Down syndrome. In a conversation with him around the time our daughter was born, he said, hey, why not me? <laughs> I relish <laughs> that question. Mm. Why not me? <laughs> so, no, most Christian couples simply want to start planning for their child's future. Some are in shock and need someone to listen to them and offer biblical counsel when they are ready to listen, and when they are ready to listen is very important qualifier. Mm -hmm. Wives whose husbands do not support them are left alone to care and make plans. This always grieves me, and it's all too common. Wives whose husbands embrace their child and support their wives do much better. But to the point, a lot falls to the wives. Some couples ask, how do I adjust? 
I remind them with scripture that having a child with Down syndrome is not an accident or God's mistake. After sharing scripture, I also recommend that they read a little poem of sorts uh, written by Emily Pearl Kingsley called Welcome to Holland. It's a short piece for parents receiving new diagnoses of all sorts. It's all about expectations. Uh, I try to help parents move on from I don't think I can do this to God can do this mm. through. In fact, he delights in it. That little poem, Welcome to Holland, uh, says, you know, everyone wants to go to Italy and enjoy the food and the the, the classic sites and, and all the beauty and the architecture and so on. Not as many people want to go to Holland. But you know what? Welcome to Holland. You have a child with Down syndrome. Holland is a beautiful place. It may not be Italy, but you can learn to love it. And my wife and I love Holland, so the poem just spoke so wonderfully to us. Oh, that's great. Uh, one question, kind of little sidetrack from what we had talked about, or the, uh, but when you mentioned um, not jumping into council until somebody is ready for it, what what do you think are some of the indications? that you see when somebody's ready to receive counsel, ready to, to have you input in their lives? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I, my wife and I both let people determine what questions they want to ask. So as these questions come into their minds freely uh, and, and they want answers for those questions, we try to provide them as quickly as possible. Mm. Not make them wait. Uh, we establish an open connection with them and tell them they can call us, they can email us or text us. Um, but but letting them set the agenda, so to speak, for answering questions, because the questions will deepen over time, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, that we found to be the most important uh, way to approach people and their questions. So we let them determine that. Yeah. So just waiting, just waiting to answer the questions until they ask them. Yes, and you know, everything in me, and my wife might admit the same, probably not, she's wiser than I am, but uh, I would I would have a, a, a bucket load of things that I think people need to know, and I would tell them all at once, right up front, and that's <laughs> not the way to do it. Yeah. People are ready to process those things, and it's in the course of their daily lives and their needs that they'll ask the questions, and the answers will stick with them much better. No. Yeah, that is that is so so good. And just I mean, honestly, a good general counseling principle in parenting, like people will remember the questions, the information more when it, they really want it. So yeah, that's very, very helpful. Um, what's one of the maybe the you mentioned some of the questions people ask and even some that they don't commonly ask, but what's one of the most difficult questions you find people asking you? Almost invariably, it is, will my child go to heaven? So this goes back to what we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier, Curtis. I tell them cautiously, I believe so, but you must tell your child about Jesus just like you would any other child. Always speak to Jesus with them like he is there listening because he is, of course, but because that's their reality. They deal with what's there in front of them. And their need for concreteness, they believe. In fact, they don't usually have the intellectual hang-ups that the rest of us have. They have a simple, beautiful faith. Mm -hmm. And on the question about heaven, 
I take the position of most Reformed theologians and most pastors I respect, like Boyce, MacArthur, Piper, Keller Dever, and many more. John MacArthur brilliantly outlines the arguments and their proponents in his little book, Safe in the Arms of God. I highly recommend that book Mm. to parents of children with disabilities because the book will actually make reference to the fact that this applies to children with disabilities who will not develop cognitively uh, to adulthood. Um, Many family members, friends, and neighbors will ask me how to support the nuclear family of mom, dads, and siblings. This is a welcome question because I can see a circle of support developing around them, and that is ideally what you want for your child with a disability in general, Down syndrome in particular. Oh, that's really <clears throat> that's really helpful. Um, shifting from questions to situations, what's the most difficult situation you faced in counseling individuals or family members of people with Down syndrome? Most difficult situation is when a child goes to be with Jesus. As you might expect, families get deeply attached to their children with Down syndrome. Uh, We went through the first year my daughter Joanna was alive, not knowing if she would make it through the night. My wife reminds me, it's all a blur to me. Uh, She reminds me that I regularly slept sitting in the hallway outside Joanna's door, listening in case she stopped breathing. Mm. Makes for a long night. I've gone through the same ordeal with other families. It's not easy, but God gives you the strength to get through these times. And it's a time when you'll draw closer to God. So, yes, there are difficult situations. I don't want to sugarcoat the uh, experience of raising a child with a disability in general, Down Down syndrome in particular, but uh, God gives the grace. Yeah. That is losing. Yeah, that, that is difficult. Um, many pastors have family members with Down syndrome or another disability in their family. What, is, what does that mean for ministry life, pastoral life, family life? Yeah, and, and just to speculate for a moment, the number of pastors and their families that have uh, children with Down syndrome or another disability is amazingly high. Mm-hmm. You look at it and you think, well, what's God doing? How is God using that? So what I think, it, one of the things that it means is that uh, they are likely to become a very empathetic family. Mm. All of them, even the children, the other yeah. children. This is an important lesson that is otherwise hard to teach. You don't teach empathy by talking about it. You must show it to others with deep-seated passion. And because church people watch all parents with children with Down syndrome, they will especially watch pastors and their families. Hmm. So welcome to God's disability stage where amazing things happen. Yeah, it's a, I mean, even among the BCC Council, which is, a, you know, 50, 60 people, there's a quite a significant percentage of, of people whose children have Down syndrome or some other disability. And yeah, it's what that is an absolutely true thing. You just see the compassion, empathy, uh, they're already a bunch of really nice people. <laughs> so finding those really uh, kind, compassionate people among them is, yeah, I think that is part of the process for sure. Um, what are some of the most difficult uh, problems people will face, um, like family members of people with, dis, uh, with Down syndrome? Well, 
the trouble with families is they are usually reluctant to receive help. And I don't like using the P word, but I think it's pride. I tell them that they will need to learn how to ask for and receive help from others because they will need it. They could go it alone. They could make it work, but it will make for a, a very difficult, if not miserable experience. And there are family members and friends who want to help just giving respite opportunities so that a couple can go out and be alone together uh, would be helpful. So they will inevitably have to take an interest in disability services to understand and access them. I, well, I wasn't excited about this at all. I didn't want to do it. And the more I got into it, the more I got involved and I realized that there's a need for parents not to, to protest or be activists, but just to provide good, solid feedback in the d designing and the distribution of disability services, which, which everyone will need invariably, I think. So this, this, may, <laughs> this may require swallowing our pride for the well-being of our child who needs outside help. Mm. Your other children sooner or later will ask a question like one of mine did. I can still remember. I was waiting for it. Why does Joanna get all the attention? Mm. And what he meant was disproportionately, or she meant, got to be careful. I heard my wife say wisely in response, she's your sister, so she needs you to care for her too. We never had to repeat that explanation again after mm -hmm. that one experience, as I recall. And unquestionably, the most difficult problem is losing a child, as we mentioned. But keep in mind, we lose that child to Jesus, who will care for that child. Uh, second is having a child with very poor health. But again, God gives grace. Um, most children with Down syndrome will need therapies and surgeries. Just It just goes with the territory. Uh, we needed to do heart surgery the entire first year after Joanna was born, mm. but her lungs weren't developed enough to receive the heart surgery. She would have died in the, in the course of the surgery itself. So uh, it's, a, uh, it's a time when people who want to help you need to be allowed we would as a as a parent ministry group we would gather together at the heart surgeries we go to cedar sinai hospital uh, and we would all get in the waiting room we'd pray we'd stay together and encourage one another i will never forget those times they were mm. so outstandingly precious yeah I, but, I, but that doesn't oh, i'm sorry go ahead Chris. no you go ahead I was going to say that doesn't, uh, I don't want to diminish the difficulties because there are difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, talking to another family, I think uh, a couple of years ago, I interviewed a family who, who have a f multiple children with Down syndrome and we were talking. And one of the things they said that's really helpful is for people at the church, if they're going to be helpers, that they, they stay like that is their ministry, right? I know yes. some, some people who want to serve get real, um, want to serve everywhere and get distracted and all over the place. But if you're going to help a family with Down syndrome or, or any disability, um, especially for children, the consistency of people and then learning the family's routines and all that stuff, that takes time and effort and just longevity is a huge asset in that ministry. So when, if you are in the church and maybe you don't have family members with disabilities and you're thinking about helping, like think about this as as your ministry. This is it helping a family. Is that 
is that adequate? Is that true to your experience? Yeah, it's, it most certainly is. Uh, disability almost invariably requires a one-on-one form of ministry. Mm. Uh, you can do group things, and that'll be great, but it, it really almost requires uh, a one-on-one sort of a ministry. And so, yes, whoever said that, that those were very wise words on their, their part. And we, I, I should share one experience. Um, we were part of a church plant in Florida when uh, shortly after Joanna was born and my, and my wife paid, played the piano and I preached. And, uh, you know, who was there to watch Joanna because she mm. needed one-on-one uh, attention? Well, an older couple in the church who had a granddaughter with Down syndrome asked if they could help us. Mm. And uh, they were, we have an incredible relationship with them to this day, but they made it possible. So that's an, that's an example of the very thing that you're talking about. Yeah, that's great. So what, what are some of the greatest fears family members of people with Down syndrome have? Well, fears. They have many. Uh, some of them are irrational and, uh, and, and could happen. Others of them are completely irrational and will never happen. But when you're tired, you've been up all night taking care of an infant, uh, any infant for that matter, but a child with Down syndrome needs more attention. You have, uh, you're, you're tired again, you're fatigued, especially the moms and uh, fears develop. Probably fear of the future or what might lie ahead is, is the greatest one. It's the unknown. And again, most of the things you fear about the unknown will not occur, but you still fear them nonetheless. Yeah. You can't prepare for everything that might happen as much as you'd like to try. So you do the best you can. Uh, another fear is the fragile nature of disability services. And probably most people wouldn't think about this, but you never know when they might be cut off uh, like they were entirely during COVID-19. And all at Mm. once, our children were home all day and someone needed to take care of them and watch them. And if you had a husband and a wife or a wife who were out working, then it meant staying home and uh, completely uh, disrupting the family in a way that uh, it's hard to to know how to respond to. So very difficult time for many families. Um, So I think uh, I'm not going to try to prescribe a a number of solutions to the fears, except that I would first recommend make sure they're rational fears. Mm. Could this really happen? Or is this just something that uh, your weariness has put in your mind? Yeah, no, that's, that's helpful. Um, but this actually kind of reminds me of, of when Johnny came to the to the BCC Summit, kind of starting with the blessing and ending with the blessing. Like uh, yeah. so often we can fixate on the problems and the difficulties, but what are um, the greatest blessings that family members of people with Down syndrome experience? There are so many. I, it, and, and part of the difficulty in explaining them is the complexity of them because they're so deep-seated. They're, they're all internal, or many of them are internal, at least most of them. Um, I'll try to hit on some of the blessings that stand out in my mind, in my experience, in my wife's. First, families learn to suffer together and thrive together. It develops a family team spirit focused on overcoming and that's a really hard one to explain unless you've experienced it. But I think to some degree or another, all families experience this 
to a measure. But I think when you have a child with a disability, you're going to learn it more quickly and more forcefully. Families with Down syndrome will likely experience this in a greater degree than other families. Uh, second, one of the greatest blessings for me has been to watch Joanna bring out thoughtfulness and kindness in our family. Uh, it's true of Nancy and our kids and I, but also our parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles and cousins. Everybody wants to play a role. Mm. It's like Joanna has these concentric circles of support in family and friendship relationships and neighbors as well. So, but third, I, I think uh, your family members will develop resilience, both individually and collectively. As you deal with the day-to-day -day challenges, you will be a stronger and better prepared family for life's deep and difficult waters. So that's just a few. Yeah. I know of talking to some other family, uh, people who have children with a variety of disabilities, just the joy um, and with Down syndrome in particular, the, and you mentioned it, I think early on, the joy that they bring to everybody around them. They just have a yeah. simple, uh, joyful look at life and, and yeah, there's just so much, so much joy that they bring to everybody around them. So that's a delight as well. Um, what is, we've mentioned heaven already, but what does heaven mean for a family, for family members of people with Down syndrome? Yes. Uh, opinions differ. I work with people who believe that people with disabilities will have those disabilities in heaven. Mm. And they base their argument largely on the holes in Jesus' hands after his resurrection. This is, uh, I'd like to think of this as more of a family disagreement among those of us who have disabilities in our families, which sooner or later includes all of us, of course. Mm -hmm. um, I disagree with them, but I do see why they argue their position. I welcome them to convince me as friends. Uh, I think that heaven is going to be all things healed. All, I mean, perfect bodies, perfect minds. Um, what does that visually look like? It will include a body, a resurrection body, certainly. Beyond that, I'm not sure we know a great deal. So I, I try to be careful about that debate of what we're going to look like and feel like in heaven. Yeah. Just uh, approach from the standpoint we know it will be infinitely perfect. So, for example, Down syndrome is part of an individual's personhood. Here's how some people might argue. It is who they are. More critically, I think it is the way that we like them. That might sound a little selfish. In other words, parents with a child with, a, with Down syndrome might still want their child to have Down syndrome in heaven. Sounds strange if you're not in the shoes of a family. But if you have a child that has a Down syndrome, you, you love them as they are. And so consequently, heaven becomes a place where that person is present the same way they are here on earth. So this, this whole debate speaks volumes to acceptance of disability. And acceptance is a big part of disability issues. Um, acceptance is rooted in normal. And as my wife used to say when we would converse with parents, normal is a setting on your dryer. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is up for grabs. <laughs> and, and so what will heaven be like? 
uh, and what does heaven mean for family members? Family members look forward to heaven, and they look forward to seeing their uh, loved one with Down syndrome in heaven, but they disagree on what that will look like. For us, heaven means we will need to get to know a different Joanna when we meet her there. Then again, my other kids will need to get to know a different dad and I different other kids. Yeah. We'll be okay. Well, praise the Lord, because all none of us are perfect. Yes. And we are <laughs> promised that we will be like Christ when we see him as he is, and that is uh such a such a delightful promise for all of us to look forward to. Well, Dave, our time is uh, up, but I really appreciate you sharing and for writing this resource. Where can people find the the book? And again, the title is Help Our Child Has Down Syndrome. They can go online and order it uh, through the mail. Uh, and uh, you just go on to Shepherd Press website and order it there. And that's the easiest way to get it. It's actually quite easy to toggle through and, and select the book and, and purchase it. Um, I think some Christian bookstores might have it. Uh, the book just came out in the late fall. So uh, I think uh, it may not be available right away over the counter. All right. Well, thank you again for writing it. And thank you for sharing your own personal experience and life with us and giving us such great wisdom. So thanks, brother. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you for allowing me this. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.